was young. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tell me so. Baptist Children's Home, that's supposed to be played sometime in the end of November, and I felt like it would be really good if you could catch that before November. Um, I don't know how long the Lord's going to allow us to, to look at the message that he's laid on my heart for today, and, and it may go on another Sunday or two, I don't know. But he's really impressed on me, and I guess it's because of this, the Cook family, and just reading the information that the state has sent us uh, about uh, answering God's call. But he's really laid on my heart, to just, just today at least, to, to look at being rescued. Being rescued, being saved. And if you look at the three children that we just watched, they were, they were rescued. They were saved from uh, the uncertainty of what life would have dealt them, what the, the, um, the system could have dealt them. And so this morning, I'll, I'll ask you the question, have you been rescued? Now, I'm not saying, have you been rescued from um, a car wreck where they've had to cut you out from an entrapment? I'm not saying, have you been rescued from uh, a burning building and the firemen come in and, and pull you out? I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I, I mean, truly rescued from hopeless situations in your life. Have you ever been rescued when you thought there was no way out? Has there been someone there that has just come and saved you from this hopeless situation. I want you to think about that this morning as we preach. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Have you ever been rescued? Now today we're going to talk about a certain group who need to be rescued. We're going to talk about one specific group of people. Now, in the world right now, at this very moment, there's over 420,000 orphans in the world. And if you go and you look at, at the state of North Carolina, um, I, let me back up. I said that wrong. There's 153 million orphans in the world. There's 420,000 in America. 420,000 orphans just in America. There are over 12,000 kids in the state of North Carolina right now in foster care, and there's over 16,000 children in the state of North Carolina waiting for a home. 
16,000. <clears throat> I've done a lot of reading this week. This is what bothers me. 16,000 is ridiculous. But this is what bothers me the most about that number. 16,000. 87% have never stepped foot in a church. That's what hurts my heart. And so this morning we're going to look at orphans. We're going to look at those that are in need of love, not just from individuals, but they've never experienced the love of Jesus. And we're going to look at that for a moment. If you have your Bibles turned over to Ephesians 1, stand with me just a moment. Ephesians 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 3. Ephesians 1, 3. The Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Let's pray. Lord God, we just want to come to you this morning and thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing in the church. Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing in the, the children's home as well. God, we thank you for those 12,000 that have a home. But Lord, we just want to lift up the 16,000 that don't. God, we want to lift up those individuals that have been trained and ready to accept those children into their homes. Lord, that you would open up those doors. Lord, I just pray that the, the call would be made and those that would answer... Uh, Lord would answer immediately and not turn it over to voicemail, as he said. And Lord, I pray this morning for those that are grieving, Father, those that are struggling with the loss of loved ones, Lord, those that are struggling with those that are have been put in hospice care, as was mentioned uh, yesterday. Father, we just want to lift them up to you, too. Lord, there's so much on our hearts. There's so much on our minds right now. There's so much negative in the world. There's so much sin, Lord, that's just running rampant. Lord, we live in a world, we live in a time right now where we need you. Lord, we need you greatly. We need your great power, your loving arms. Lord, we need your mercy, and Father, we need your grace today. And I pray, God, that as we continue to search for these answers, that we would just stop. Stop exactly what we're doing right now. Look no further for the answers before us. Lord, we know that you are the answer. You are the way, the truth, and the life, as the Bible says. And God, we need to put our faith and trust in you. You can do all. You are all. And I pray, God, that we would turn to you, seek your face, seek your guidance. God, I pray that you would just allow us to be a vessel for you. And, Lord, that you would just use this church and those that make it up in a way that would please you and that would reach the lost. We love you this morning. I'll listen in your son's name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Now, if I'd ask you first how many of you were adopted instead of rescued, you'd have probably thought I was crazy and you'd nobody to raise their hand. But now, since we've read that scripture, if I ask who has been adopted, I believe we can about all raise our hand because that means you've been saved. 
If you've been adopted into the, the kingdom of God, that means that you have been saved. You've asked Jesus into your life. Now, Christians are the rescued. We are the adopted children of God. We have been rescued. If you think about being rescued from before salvation, think about the life you was living in. It was a life bound for hell. It was a life that was not pleasing to God. It was a life that had no real end to it except an end of destruction. So we had to be rescued. We had to be saved from the lifestyle that we were living. So the Christian is the rescued child of God. Ain't that awesome? I mean, just think about it. If you've ever been in a situation, some of y'all may have been in a situation where you was rescued by someone where you had been in a car wreck or something like that, and someone rescued you, that feeling that you got when they showed up. And I think I probably told this church this one time before, but there's a, a really bad wreck at uh, Highway 421 and Vanderpool Road years ago. And I remember the people in that wreck, it, the car was hit, it was a family of three, the car was hit just right, and it flipped the car up on its top. So the child was hanging in the car seat upside down, both parents in the cars and their seats upside down. And that's right around the corner from our house. I was the first one on scene, threw on my gear, crawled in the car. And instead of me trying to, to cut the people out, because they, they were just stuck with the car seat, or with the seat belts. But instead of me just cutting them loose, I had to, of course, I had to hold the seat spine. I had to hold them still until I had more people there. And I'll never forget the mom. She was the driver. She was hanging upside down. And she kept saying, Chad, just pray. Chad, just pray. Chad, just pray. That's all she kept saying. I knew the family. Knew them well. Still know them well. And she kept saying, just pray. Just pray. She wanted to be saved, but she wanted to be protected. She knew that she needed God's hand. She needed to be rescued, but she needed to make sure that that we were touching the throne of grace whenever we were there with her. And we have people in this life that are bound for a, a, a dark end right now, and they need to be rescued. We have people around us, people in this community around us right now, that need to be rescued. They need salvation. They need that hand of God. Now, if you read the Bible much at all, the entire Bible describes the adoption process because it's a process. Marie and I both had to go through a lot of training with uh, going through foster care. And it's a lengthy process. Uh, lots, of, uh, lots of training to go into it. But then the, the upkeep, the, the hours that you have to put in to, to continue the training. And if you read the Bible, it talks about our adoption process. It is a process for a, Christ, a Christian for adoption. You're not born into it. Clayton, here he is a year old. Lord, as, as a parent, it would nothing more would please me than for our children not to have to experience the sin of this world. But he's born into this world, into a world of sin, and he's born into this world a sinner. Every single one of us was born into this as sinners. There was a, I was reading this the other day, uh, it was in Houston, Texas. There's a billboard that said, Sister Mary Palmreader, natural born Christian. You can't say that. That's, that's an oxymoron right there. A natural-born Christian. None of us are natural-born children of God. Clayton is a natural-born child of Maria. That's natural-born. All right, But he was still born a sinner, just like every single one of us. To be adopted means that he 
us give our lives to Jesus. He has paid the, the price for us. Folks, if you don't know how much it costs to go into adoption process, it's pricey. You're looking at sometimes forty to $60,000 for an adoption. That's just here in the U.S. That ain't it's not even talking about going overseas to get one. That is ridiculous. It costs a parent to adopt. It has cost God for our adoption. It cost him his son for our adoption. It cost the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the, the cross that's not behind me right now. Sorry, it's in the other room. But it has cost Jesus his life. It cost God his son for our adoption. There's manuals. I, I, Marie's got books on this stuff. There's manuals that you go through for the adoption process and the training, the MAPS class that you got to go through to, to become a foster parent and to uh, be adoptive parents. As Christians, we came with, or we have, we didn't come with, we have an adoption manual right here. It starts in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. And you continue to read through the Word of God and it gives you the process of being adopted into the kingdom of God. It gives you the process that you have to follow to become a child of God, an adopted child of God. I've got an individual right now, stage 4 cancer, testicular cancer, and something else, lymphoma. He ain't doing too good. He ain't doing good at all right now. And his wife asked him Friday, if he had things right with Jesus, and he broke down crying, and he said, I don't know. I don't know. So I get to go speak to him today or tomorrow about where he stands with God. And I'm looking forward to that conversation because he's under conviction right now, and I know he's ready. But I get to go to him, and I'm going to get to open up my Bible, and I'm going to get to read over in Romans with him. And I'm going to get to read the Word of God and lay out the adoption process for him so that he can be and will be adopted into the kingdom of God. He will become a child of the king. He will become a brother to me through this adoption process when we read that. Now, I want you to listen to what Paul has to say. He, Paul has a lot to say about adoption. Over in Colossians 1.13, he says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son? Galatians 1.4 says, Who gave himself for our sins and that he might deliver us from the present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. And Galatians 4.4 and 6 says, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And that, that sons doesn't mean just men. That's, that's children of God. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That's Daddy. Abba's Daddy. Daddy, Father. Daddy, God. Father, God. However you want to say it. Abba, Father. That's how we cry out to Him. Adoption, again, is a very expensive process very expensive process we think of it monetarily we think of it as when memory started that we were thinking how are we going to afford this i mean it's it's so expensive to do adoption how are we going to go through it so we went through ebenezer children's home and they help with all those costs 
It's expensive. But it ain't a drop in the bucket to what God had to do for us. We sacrificed some time. God sacrificed his son. That's expensive. That's a cost that we cannot pay. There's no value on that monetarily. There's no value on the price of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross for us. There's no, there's no price tag. There's no amount that we could ever put on that. But he paid it just for us. And the gospel that we're reading is, is all about adoption. And we're adopted as a child of God. This process is all laid out before us. We can summarize it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We can, we can quote John 3.16. We can go into Romans 10 and read, talking about confessing. We could go through all that. But all it boils down to is believe. Believing, believing that Jesus Christ died for you. Believing in your heart he is who he says he is. And when we believe and we accept and we confess, then we have been adopted. There's no paperwork. There's no paperwork. I, I felt like when we started that whole MAPS class, we signed, I don't know how many documents we signed, and we kept signing, and we kept signing, and we just kept on signing, mainly because the lady that was overseeing it lost everything we had two or three times. But we just kept signing over paperwork, signing it over, doing background checks, which I'm all for. I'm all, I'm all about that. But the documentation, was, I felt like, was ridiculous. Being adopted by God into the kingdom, there is no paperwork whatsoever. There, I was, Miss Georgia brought this, and we haven't got to use it yet because they're still working on the baptistry at my home church. But, oh, that's not it. Well, wherever it got to, there is a folder here that, did RC get a hold of my folder? Oh, I hope not. <laughs> There's a folder here. And it's got a little certificate in it for baptism. That little piece of paper doesn't mean anything to heaven. For here, it's, it looks great. There's a little piece of paper, and it says, Paisley Cole was baptized on this date by whoever, me and Preacher Ray, whoever it is. That's just a piece of paper. The paperwork that we have for salvation was signed by God with his son's blood. And it's the Lamb's Book of Life. That's not a book that we're going to see here. The documentation is not here on earth. Documentation stamped on our hearts, and we've been written and sealed in the Lamb's Book of Life, and it will never be blotted out. It can never be taken out. That adoption paper, we're done. Memory is done. When we, we let our, our, all our foster stuff, it, it has lapsed. There's nothing. If we ever want to do foster care or adopt again, we've got to go through all that training again because we let it go. We lost it. You don't lose your salvation. You cannot lose the adoption paperwork because it is sealed. It is signed with Jesus' blood, and it is sealed by God's hand. You will not lose that. Secondly, I want to look at this, and this is an important part, and this is why we watched the video this morning. The church is in God's plan for the rescue of the orphans. The church, God's church, and I don't care if you think it's Chestnut Dale or go up to... Mount Pleasant, or you go down here to Pleasant Hill, whatever. I'm saying the church is going to play a huge hand in helping the orphans. We have to. We, we, have, we have a responsibility as 
the church of God to help the orphans, to help those that are needy, the ones that are hurting, the ones that don't have a family. We are that family. We have a responsibility. God wants the rescue to become the rescuers. If you're sitting here today and you've been saved, you've been rescued. And now it's time to go out and return the favor. It's time to go out and do the same thing. It's time to go out and to reach not just the lost. Something we learned when, when we went through training, we thought it was all about the kid, all about the kid, all about the kid. It has not all about the kid. It has a lot to do with that kid's parents because you can be a lot to those parents. Those parents may just be in a bad situation and lost their children for a little while. Jerry knows all about this, this stuff. Sometimes those parents need God. Sometimes those parents need to see a reflection of Jesus Christ on someone else, and especially the person that is taking care of their child. If you can be that light, if you can be that person that can show the love of Jesus to a struggling family, a mom that's addicted to, to drugs, or a dad that is an alcoholic, or whatever it might be, if you can show the love of Jesus to those individuals, and they can turn from their sin, and they can accept Jesus into their heart, they have done exactly what God has wanted them to do, and that is to put God first and foremost in their family's life, and then everything else is going to fall in place. You put Jesus first, and then you're going to see your family come back. You're going to see your son or your daughter that you lost because of your, your problems. You're going to see them come back, and then you go to church together, and you grow as a family together. And we get to see a dad who can't make ends meet because he blows all his money on um, lottery tickets or alcohol or drugs we see that dad coming to church and becoming an active member in our church and in our community and they're tithing and they're helping the, the ones in the church we see a change in them the dad has become the head of the house like he's supposed to be not the laughing stock of the community that's what we see so we got to reach those adults we got to reach those parents over and over again in the bible god tells us that we are to care for the orphans time and time again, he says, take care of them. Isaiah 117 says, learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. James 127 tells us, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. We've been told right there to reach out to the fatherless, to reach out to the orphan, to reach out. And, of course, they always put the, the orphan and the, the widows together. But those are two groups of people that we, as a church, we have to take care of them. They can't take care of themselves. We have to, do, we have to step up and be the church, not individuals, but be the church. And when it comes, we don't ever talk about the orphans. We talk about widows quite often. And nothing against that. We have got to support them too. But what about the children in this world right now? What about the children? I don't even want to know what the stats might be in Avery County. I'm sure some of y'all could, some of you might even know how many. Uh, you, don't worry about it. I'm not going to call you out on that one. There's, there's several. There's more than one, I promise you that. There's too many. There's too many. And what we see, what Rita, Deanna, and... Preacher Ron's wife, Judy, what they see up at the pregnancy center, and that's a good thing. That right there, that's, that's prevention right there in my mind. It gives them options, but it's preventing them from doing something crazy. But it gives them an option. If 
you can't handle this, here's people to talk to about adoption. But we got to watch and take care of our children, our orphans. I was watching a video last night from the Baptist Children's Home from a few years ago, and it was a 17-year-old girl that was pregnant, had been pregnant, had a baby, and she gave the baby up for adoption, but she has ties to her, girl, her daughter. She's probably 11 or 12 now. But she goes to birthday parties, Christmases, Thanksgiving, all the holidays. She, she celebrates with them. But it was through the adoption process that this teenage unwed mother was able to accept Jesus into her life through the parents that had adopted her daughter. That's what we need to be doing. As the church, we've got to step up to those that have the, the, problem, the sins in their lives, the problems in their lives that they're struggling with that are causing them to not be good parents. And we as the church have got to support them and bring them to Jesus. Now, this, this verse right here in James 1.27 says, Pure religion and undefiled before God. What is pure religion? It's the way we live our faith. Now, what have I always said, and y'all probably tired of hearing it's like beating a dead horse, but I've always said religion will send you to hell. But when it says here, pure religion, what is it? It's, it's, it's faith. It's a way of our faith. It's how we live out our faith. It's how we practice what we believe, and it is evidence in what we believe in. That's pure religion. It is evidence in our faith. It's evidence in how we believe. It's evidence in the love that we have for Jesus and for others. Over and over again here in the Bible, God says, take care of those orphans. But I want you to listen to this. Who did he give this command to? Did he get, I don't remember reading this in the Bible, but did he pin it down and he say, I need the government to take care of the orphans? No. Did he say, I need society to take care of the orphans? No. He said, I need the church to take care of the orphans. I need the church to step up and take care of those who can't care for themselves. When I teach CPR, and I have to go Tuesday night down to Ebenezer Children's Home and teach CPR for them, for the foster parents. And the one thing that I always remember when I teach CPR is the age differences. There's three groups in the CPR class. You have infant, which is newborn to one-year-old. But here's the one that always bothers me. One-year-old to puberty. That's the next group. So if you think about one-year-old to puberty, that's Clayton's size, about that tall, and then you got some bigger ones. And you got to figure out, how deep am I going to do my compressions? Am I going to be doing an inch deep, inch and a half deep, two inches deep, two and a half inches deep? How deep are my compressions? But when I think about orphans, I think about that age range. <laughs> he may be a preacher, I don't know. Man. Mouthy just like his mama. <laughs> but when you look at orphans, those are newborn to 18-year-old. And like Mr. Cook said, there's a lot of firsts that they missed with that first one. The first one they adopted, she was six. There's a lot of firsts. And think back, and you, you look at Kylie and, and Ethan, those are, they've been here a little longer than Clayton's been here, but I remember a lot of firsts, and y'all will too, the first steps, the first time they crawl, the first words that they say. We remember those firsts. And as an adult, we cherish those firsts. And they, they might not remember it, but we remember it. We remember those things that they did that we've been waiting on for so long for them to do, and they finally do it.
But these orphans have had a first birthday and a second birthday, a third birthday and a fourth birthday, and maybe even a fifth birthday by themselves. They've never been able to experience any of their first with anybody else. They've been in a home for a couple weeks. Somebody might have seen them walk across the floor, but they didn't get to celebrate that first with them like a family can celebrate that first with them. He's wanting the church to step up for all these firsts that these children are missing and wants us to be a part of those firsts. God has a great love for the orphan. And I want you to try to picture this in your mind. Over here on the right, my right, are millions of orphans in this world. Over here. Lots of orphans right here. And then over here on the left, you have the heart of God. Orphans, the heart of God. There's a big gap between that. There's a big gap between the orphans and the heart of God. What God has asked for is the church to bridge that gap. God has called the church to be the middleman between the heart of God and the orphan because they can't get there on their own. Now, we know what the Bible says about children. And we know that there's that age of accountability. We don't know when that age of accountability is. It has to happen once they've heard and understood about the Word of God and who He is. But there's that gap there. There has to be a bridge. And there is no government that can bridge that gap. There is no one in society that can bridge that gap between the heart of God and an orphan. It has to be the church to bridge that gap for these children. It has to be the church. It has to be one, the ones that God has called. The church, the rescued, becomes the rescuers. The adopted becomes the adopters. What does God want His church to do for these children? That's, that's the question I've thought about all week. I could preach from now till the rapture about what does God want from the church. I don't know what God wants from His church completely. I know what he would like for us to do, and that's to help the orphans. That's all I can tell you right now. Just be a help. How we help is another story. But we have got to do more, and I know that for a fact. The church of God. I think we rely on institutions like Ebenezer Children's Home or North Carolina Baptist or, or whoever it is. And I'm not even going to get on that group down in Crossnore anymore. That's, they have so far left that... They need prayer. The church is God's plan for the care of his orphan, orphan children. The church is part of God's big plan. Third thing, and I want you to listen to this, and I want you to listen really, really close. Write this down. You are part of God's plan to rescue the orphans. You are. Now, we just talked about the church. That's a group. Now I'm calling you out one, on, one by one. You are a part of God's plan for these children. Let me say this. God may not have called all of us to foster adopt. I know, and I mentioned us going through the class, and that's one of the things that we talked about going through Ebenezer is God calling you. If God is not in that process, it's not going to work out. But we know that. God's not calling everybody to, to foster or even adopt. But he has done one thing. 
He's called every one of us to minister to him. He's called every single one of us to minister, to, not to preach. Not, he's not called us all to be preachers, but he's called us to minister, to talk to them, to guide them. When we became Christians, when we accepted Jesus, we became disciples. And we need to be discipling those. And again, it's not just the children, it's the parents as well. I believe that's just like the, what the Bible says about the, the spiritual gifts that we all have. We don't all have the same spiritual gift. I can't sing a lick, and I can't stand it when Conley doesn't lead singing because he sits right beside of me, and I've got to sing a lot lower and quieter because I don't want him to hear me. It's embarrassing. I start humming. Clayton sings better than I do. I don't have that gift. I was never given that gift, and that's okay. I've got others that he has given me. But we don't all have the same gift, but we can all minister. We all have a role to play in ministering to these children and to every single child. But God does call a lot to foster. I want you uh, just to listen to this over in Psalm 68. He said, God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are burned with chains, or bound with chains, I'm sorry. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Maybe that's something that, that we need to pray about. What can you do? What can, we can pray about what the church can do, but we need to pray about what each individual person inside these four walls can do. There's a lot of work to do. We can volunteer. We Don't just throw money at it. I'll tell you that. It's, it's more than just money. That's one of the great things. That's one thing I miss about Willow Valley, and, and we missed it again this year. We grew a couple acres of of taters for Ebenezer Children's Home. So they plant them, of course, in the spring or whenever. But here's the good, you know, planting taters is one thing. But the fun part is when all the kids from Ebenezer Children's Home come to the church and we dig up them taters. We have a tater digging with them kids. And we have a blast. And you get to see smiles on faces that hadn't smiled in a long time. Dirty smiles, like covered in mud smiles, eating raw taters kind of smile. Could it be that God would have you to take a child into your home and introduce them to Jesus? Maybe. I don't know. That's something you got to pray about. But maybe God wants you to take care of a foster child for just a couple hours. Respite. Respite was a godsend for us there towards the end because... That's when I pulled my hair out and Maria was almost bald. Sometimes you need respite. Sometimes you just need somebody to take the kids for a little while. Could you be that person? Unfortunately, with the girls, they ended up going from one set of coals to another set of coals. We no relation. They're from Winston, I think. But sometimes the foster parents just need a break. Could that be you? Could you give them that break? What does God want you to do for the orphans? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this. And I want to go back in time for just a moment. Just go back in time. Can you remember when you were saved? I want you to think about it. Do you remember when you were saved? Do you remember that, that moment, wherever it was, whether it was at an altar or in a car or whatever it was, do you remember that time when you were saved? And you remember how thrilled you were to know that God loved you? I want you to think about it. Preacher might have preached or a song might have been sung and somebody just really emphasized how much God loves you. How much 
Jesus loved you. He loved you so much that he died for you. Don't you think about that moment when it, you, when it dawned on you what an agape-sized love is. And then you get to think, no, go past that. Go past the love side of it. And you get to thinking about the, how he was with you and how the Bible says that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And it just gets sweeter. You got the love then they talk about how he can't, he, he'll never leave you nor forsake you, so it's going to get a little bit sweeter. And then you get to think about how no matter where you are in this life, you'll always be able to talk to him. And then, again, it just gets sweeter. So he loves you. He'll never leave you. You can always talk to him. And it just, just blows your mind how somebody could be like that. Now, I want to take you forward a little bit. So we, we, went to, we're going, we had salvation. Now we're going to go to heaven. I don't want to talk about what's in between. Now we're going to look at heaven. So because of salvation, we have a home prepared for us. And one day in heaven, we're going to be even more thrilled. Experiencing the love of Jesus, that's thrilling. Knowing that he'll never leave you nor forsake you, that's thrilling. Knowing that you can always have a friend to turn to and talk to, no matter when and where, that's thrilling. But arriving in heaven, that's even more thrilling. We're going to be thrilled to be able to get there and to meet Jesus and see others. Scripture tells us that eye has not seen or ear heard, that it has never entered into the heart of man all that God has for us in heaven. We can't imagine it. We can't fathom it, what he has for us. Now, I want you to think about that first day in heaven. I'm trying to prepare myself for this. All right. I want you to think about that first day in heaven. And I first... First, sermon, or first funeral I ever preached was Maria's uncle Bob, and we all and his daughters were talking about whenever he got there. First thing he done was find his wife and start dancing with her. I said, "No, that probably didn't happen." I knew Bob, and Bob probably is still bowed down at the feet of Jesus. When we get to heaven, I think that's what we're going to do. We're going to be so excited, but we're going to bow down at the feet of Jesus and worship Him. Now, let me tell you this. That's how a child feels when they've been rescued. That's how an orphan child is going to feel when they get to experience love. I can't multitask. When they get to experience that love from someone else, when love takes them in. A family doesn't take in that child. Love takes in that child. If you didn't love them, if you didn't love have that love of God that you have in you, you, you wouldn't take them in. So love is what brings them in. When God's people give them a family, they get to experience love. They feel like they've been born again. They are starting over. They're experiencing something they've never had before. Love and a family. And I heard, I've heard them say before, it's almost like going to heaven. That's the way those kids feel because they've never experienced anything like it before. Think about that. Someone finally loved them, finally wanted them, and finally took them home. Finally. They've never experienced it before. We said all that to say this. We have an entire month of November. We've got these little things up here or over yonder, 
and we're looking at the week of prayers, November 6th through the 13th. I've already set it up on Facebook. Every day we're going to be praying specifically for certain things for the North Carolina Baptist Children's Home as a group. That's how I want us to pray. I'll try to, I think I'm even going to set up call tree to call out every night and remind y'all how to pray. But we're going to pray for this, and I want y'all to pray. Take these home with you. They're out here in the foyer. Take these home with you. Read it again. Take one of these home with you if you feel inclined to, to give, um, so be it. But I want y'all to really think about how you and how the church can help these children. And if we do it at a local level, that's great. But how can we help the orphans? How can we, how can you step up and be the church? Stand with me. We're going to close out. Until you've experienced adoption, this might not make any sense to you. If you've never been adopted into the kingdom of God, this right here might not make a lot of sense. So before you even look at helping out with the orphans, you need to be rescued yourself. You need to be saved yourself. You've got to become a child of the king before you can help the child or the children of this world. Always remember that. We all need rescuing. We've been rescued. Cost somebody his life. Cost God his son. But he was willing to pay the price for each one of us. Always keep that in mind. If y'all have any questions, we're going to have a whole month to, to pray about this. If y'all, if there's anything the church wants to do and y'all want to talk about it, bring it up next Sunday because we've got another business meeting next week. Um, but I've already talked to Lewis Smith. Lewis is booked from here until January. Lewis is with the Children's Home. Everybody knows Lewis. And he refuses to leave his county through winter. <laughs> so he said in the spring he'd love to come back up here and be with us. He just wants apple butter. That's all he talks about. He don't want anything. He don't even really will talk to y'all. He just wants y'all's apple butter. No, he wants to talk about everything. So be in prayer for that, too, getting, getting Mr. Lewis up here and, and talking to us sometime. Does anybody have anything on their heart this morning? They'd like to say before we dismiss. I have several unspoken requests. All right. Remember, Miss Georgia. Remember that. It's good to have Mark back over here with us. You said you was leaving Tuesday, heading back home? And Rick. And Rick. So Mark's not really, we can't say he's a visitor because he's been here more than once. Rick's a visitor. He's been here. This is the first time. They'll be traveling back home this Tuesday. So. That's right. So we'll be in prayer for them as they travel, travel back. Yep. Looks like we might need to be praying for Clayton. Yeah, it's going to be a long, cold ride home. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Jerry, will you dismiss us, please?
Amen. All right. You're dismissed.